Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. What's up, everybody? Hey, Mike. Hey, Chris. Uh, Welcome, everybody, to the AZ Brandcast, where we talk to all sorts of awesome people about the power of brand and how to build great brands in our remarkable state of Arizona. We're the hosts, Mike Jones and Chris Stadler. And we are Easy Brandcast. Yay! Yay! All right. So uh, you guys might be studio audience. Yes, yes, and we have like a bunch of guests too. We do. We have a ton of guests today. Yeah. So by a ton, I mean two. Yeah, which is a ton for us twice twice our normal guest payload, right? (laughs) (laughs) You guys have a guest payload. (laughs) So uh, you know our metrics. (laughs) So speaking of our guests. Yeah. Of, um, yeah. Who are our guests? Chris? Resound Creative. What? Resound Wait. What? Creative. Who? I Wait, know. What? Who? It's, it's who? like I don't know if this is meta or like irony or what. I don't really know. But um, Resound Creative is a branding and marketing company in Tempe, Arizona. Since 2009, Resound has been building authentic brands and experiences that resonate with your audience, your whoever you are, your audience. Yep. We have two guests. Yeah. And one of one of my, my favorite to say is Dr. Watson. That's my favorite one to say. Dr. Watson. Um, Dr. Jeffrey Watson is a member of the advisory board at Resound Creative Media. He holds a PhD in philosophy and currently teaches courses in metaphysics and the philosophy of mind at ASU. That's Arizona State University. <laughs> Forks up. <laughs> he has an interest in understanding the nature of both individual and collective identity as they apply to an organization's brand identity. Super interesting to talk to. Try to corner him at a party. <laughs> It'll be worth it. Yeah. And this is our second show with Jeff on. Yeah. So we, that's awesome. Yeah. Last time we talked about... We got really deep last time. We, the boat. Yeah. Boat, I got corrected on my... Yeah. The ship of Theseus. Theseus. Yeah. yeah. Dude, that was... That was amazing. Mind blowing. <laughs> Do you have mind blowing effects, sound effects? Okay. Uh, that was a sound. We'll do it in post. Um, she'll add it in post. David, David Kosand, Hello. is also a board member, is an advisory board member of Sound Creative. Um, he uh, specializes in building digital experiences using personalization, relevant content, and UX design principles. He's served as a product manager in the marketing tech space and as a consultant for clients uh, such as Wells Fargo, Dell, United Healthcare, and MGM Resorts International. David brings a practical approach ensuring that the branding rubber meets the branding road. Woo! And we're going to talk with these guys. Um, but first... But first... <laughs> a message from our sponsors. Sorry. The wonderful friends at Conscious Capitalism Arizona. This local association is on a mission to share with the whole world how doing good in your business is just good business. This local chapter of Conscious Capitalism hosts tons of local events and provides resources for business leaders to instill a higher purpose in their company and engage all of their stakeholders through their business. So if you want to be more conscious in your business, uh, we recommend that you check out Conscious Capitalism Arizona, local chapter of Conscious Capitalism. You can check them out at ccarizona.org online. Got tons of events coming up that are worth checking out. Probably one in your neighborhood. So that's that's our plug for Conscious Capitals. And we want to thank them for being sponsors of our show and making sure it happens every single month. Yes, totally. Love those guys. Yep. 
So, uh, guess um, I would like to start out with a uh, welcome, you guys. Hi. Hey. So so going? glad this day is like I feel like it's like Christmas. It's like, can it come faster? You know, <laughs> but we're here. Um, I do have an icebreaker question for you though. All right. So, wh- wh- elephant in the room. There's yep. you guys are writing a book. Yeah. Wait, we real are. quick. Let's talk about that for just a second yeah. before we get to the icebreaker. You're writing a book. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It it's in process. <laughs> cool. All right. So the icebreaker <laughs> takes a lot of work. <laughs> All right, we'll 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 get to that. Let's 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 talk about the icebreaker. So, I want you guys to tell me you are a company that's like successful, right? Like it's you know it makes money, it hires people. It's like people are like, oh yeah, I know that company, right? They're like kind of successful, right? But maybe they're not living out their brand like every day in every way. Maybe it's not so consistent, right? <laughs> they're making money, but what's your favorite example of that? Yeah. You mind if I go first? Go ahead. All right. So the first, so I don't want to pick on particular brands, but I'm going to pick on an industry and that is healthcare. Hmm. Healthcare. And I'm thinking specifically from like the digital experience perspective, right? Like trying to make things easy for people to do business online or on their phone. Um, When you're in healthcare, you're trying to make people feel better, right? (laughs) Like, they are sick or they're hurt or there's there's something going on and they need some help. And we want to help them get better physically, but then think of like all of the experiences around that, right? So I think a lot of what I've experienced is a lot of healthcare companies don't prioritize um, their brand in terms of how you experience it throughout the customer experience, the patient experience, right? So um, that's... I want to pick on those healthcare guys. Like I know that there's probably some attention now um, being put towards that because uh, they're saying that that's how you do business, whether you're a hospital, whether you're a, you know a doctor's office, or if you're a massive insurance carrier. Um, but you you know you're trying to make people feel better, make it easier for them to like pay their bills or find a doctor <laughs> or talk to somebody. Like I don't know who to talk to, and I need to feel better. Help me with that. Like understand their coverage and not be stressed out on top of right. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. So I know that they are starting to invest in user experience design and that sort of thing. But in terms of your brand too, like your brand should be about, we'd assume, you know, you value like well-being and making people feel good and active. And so let's live that out. Let's show that we care about that by the experiences we provide for people. But in the meantime, maybe you also send like a, an explanation of benefits for mental health coverage, <laughs> just, you know, like in the meantime, right? Yeah. <laughs> just to help people deal with stuff, you know, it's like... Well, hey, and a lot of it, it I, I do understand talk too. to a counselor. There's probably a lot it's of... worth like, it. <laughs> like there's, there's probably a lot of like legal, legalese, like right. a lot of, like we got to just, you know, cross, check the box and like dot our I's, cross our T's and that sort of thing. So we'll send you this statement in like 30 languages. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, just to make sure that we got it, yeah. like got our message across, um, yeah. which isn't user friendly either, and it probably is wasting paper and printer ink and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's, that's why you just use pictograms like IKEA. Like IKEA, I was just thinking that. Oh, yeah. yeah, genius. Yeah, we could do that in healthcare, perhaps. <laughs> it's some really interesting the lawyers pictograms. would love that. The lawyers would love <laughs> like, that. Oh, the code for what you just like, yeah, your insurance claim. The EOB's got like a bandage across a leg. Yeah, <laughs> or like that's the logo. Or like you can't show it to your kids because it's too anatomically correct. <laughs> yeah. 
Imagine being the iconographer for that. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> the whole font. Like, oh, where would you hire? Never mind. Um, <laughs> Don't go there, Chris. <laughs> Jeff. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and pick on a particular company. Okay. Uh, so Just going for it. Every country has a flagship carrier, right? British Airways, Air Canada, mm. uh, Turkish Airways, Finnair, Air Japan, right? And these are, these are flagship carriers means they're sort of like the big airline for that, that country. They represent its values. They represent what it means to be a member of that country. Uh, and they're sort of like showcasing that country to the world. So you fly in Air Canada and it's like a really, you know, upgraded experience compared to WestJet. No offense to WestJet, right? But it's just a different expectation, right? Because this is Air Canada. Now, I don't want to offend someone in particular, but the United States has what you might think is a flagship carrier. It's technically not, but it, it might look like it. And that's American Airlines, so you might think, oh, American Airlines. Now, oh, that's yeah. like the American Airlines, right? That represents American values, you know, and American <laughs> approaches towards things. And, you know, American something. Yeah. Which America? Are we talking South America? Uh, United States of America. <laughs> Sorry. United States of America. America. Uh, but you're just thinking yeah, okay. that yeah. the values yes, might be the values more, of, yeah. might comport with so, more. So, American Airlines went through this sort of like marketing, very odd marketing choice uh, maybe a year ago where they did a bunch of like little ads on how passengers should be nice to each other because <laughs> flying is really a miserable experience. But if passengers were just nice people and just nice to each other and nice to their flight attendants, it'd be so much better. I think I see where this is going. Uh, yeah, it's a little hypocritical because why is flying such a miserable experience? Well, it's probably because, you know, the airline makes the seats this tiny and this small and, uh, you know, uh, you're kind of crammed in a little... Who has more control over whether the flight's a nice experience? The passenger who you're lecturing on how they should be nice <laughs> or the members of the crew who actually have to live out, you know those those values so yeah or or maybe instead they should try a different tactic like hey like be thankful that you're not sitting next to a chicken or yeah like, right, yeah a, right yeah yeah it's better than north could africa be worse. it's yeah. better than the boats be worse. better campaign. than the boats that would be amazing that would be hilarious could be worse <laughs> you could be not flying right now <laughs> right Right. Well, yeah. And now, now maybe that's a authentic expression of their genuine attitude, but it seems <laughs> out of, it seems out of line with what they're you genuinely think they're a lecturing brand. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 It's part of their core values. Maybe. Hey, do what I say, not as I do. Right. Can I go, Chris? That's a really good I, one. I have way. one. Yes. If it took me all, all everyone already talking to finally come up with one. You picked a really hard question this time. Thank you. This is, this is a good one. Uh, so I'm going with. Everyone's favorite, the Golden Arches, McDonald's, right? Ooh. Yeah. So there's multiple layers of hypocrisy at McDonald's. So the first is, why does my food never look like what it looked like in the ad? It's not even what it looks like on the menu. It just looks dumpy and lame when I pull it open. It looks uninspired. Like uninspired. Saved, like, like it gave right? up. Like maybe it yeah. was. It was like, well, to be one of those, but then. It's like American Airlines is like, well, it could be worse. And McDonald's is like, well, it's food. Maybe it's edible. technically, <laughs> technically, <laughs> our lawyers say we can say that. <laughs> FDA says so that's we my can first say issue. Checked. That's my first issue, right? And that's probably a common one with a lot of food brands, though. I guess you could probably say that yeah. a, lot, a lot of fast food restaurants, like that's not what it looks like. But my second is like everything is so put together up until you have to actually deal with a person. 
the experience of McDonald's is like one of the most like inconsistent I've ever had with a restaurant or like everything from like, when is the food going to actually show up when I go through the drive through? Well, it might be ready when I get up to the window or it might be like 15 minutes or am I actually going to get the ketchup packets? I don't know. It's like a drinking game in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. It's like a game of chance. <laughs> Let's roll the dice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then just like, you know, what kind of personality are you going to I would expect, you know, from like the outward kind of the way that I think they've tried to position themselves, it's happy, right? I mean, they have classic, the happy meal, right? And they're kid friendly and they're, you know, all their commercials are super like, you know, upbeat and happy. I'm loving it. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it, right? And yet, I don't know that I've ever actually met someone who loves working. Who there. was loving it? Yeah. Hmm. And there's just this like real hmm. deep disconnect at the service level, where like the brand is one thing from a marketing perspective, but from a service standpoint, it's like totally different. Yeah, that's interesting because so. I think what made the fast food like industry work so well early on was because you it's it's like consistency. Yeah. Like you're expecting the same thing that you get on that stop yep. on Route 66 that you'd get. Yeah, on the interstate in the middle of the country. So, yeah, Adrian and I now expect inconsistency. I mean, that's how we've dealt with it, where we go, oh, are you going to McDonald's? All right, well, ask five times for the ketchup because you might still get it. <laughs> Magic eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> but at least we know. it's. We never know. We know we'll never know. So I don't know. That's my hypocritical brand of, of the day. That's a good one. Mine's... um. Have you guys ever heard of a podcast called The Art of Charm? Mm-mm. No. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like, it's not like human hacking, but it's just kind of like you listen to it and you get tips and there's some good things in there. But um, its roots are like to help people, help guys like kind of hook up, right? And so it's, there's a little bit of that still in it, you know? So they're talking about... So many about, questions that's, now, Chris. Pardon, <laughs> so many questions. But it's like, you know, it's like they help like awkward guys who are like, you know, maybe they're like, super awesome but they're like socially awkward you know <laughs> to kind of like be like be able to have relationships and stuff but a lot of it surrounds that but at the very end of the show you know i'm like okay i get it there's nothing inconsistent now but like i've gotten my tidbits out of it you take what's good and you know leave the rest but at the end of the show they're like they're like um their tagline they say do this do this and always leave everyone and everything better than you found it and i'm just like that uh, that's super inconsistent to me, right? Because like, okay, you're you're like nothing to do with your show. Up with a lot of people, and now it's like you're trying to pretend like you have the moral high ground. You know, it's just it didn't work for me, and so for me, it actually hurt. It hurt their brain. It, it caused me to lose respect for their thinking and who they were. Hmm. And I might still listen to the show I haven't in a long time, but you know, it, it's not because I their brand has lost equity in my mind, just because it's just like so inconsistent now, right? Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, you slash we are writing a book. It's been an interesting process. I want to hear more from you guys. Kind of like what? What are your thoughts on that? Like we started that process. I don't know. Nine months, six months ago. Yeah. It's been a. Uh, well, I mean, really, we started what like ten years. Well, ago? yeah. The, so a lot of what we're writing about has been in our brains or documented in various places for years. And so, what is that, real quick? Just to yeah, for the for the like listening what's in audience, our brains? What is what is the <laughs> what is the book about? Yes. Uh, also, what's in your brain? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So what are you guys writing about? The, the book's about authentic identity. That's right. So the idea is that every organization has some kind of authentic, real identity that makes it what it is, and that when it expresses that identity authentically, real, uh, and instead of in a sort of superficial way or an arbitrary way or a tacked-on way, uh, then that's ultimately going to resonate with the audience who who sees it and observes it. And so that's what we want to encourage with the book. It's sort of an encouragement to brands to uh, come to know and express their authentic identity. Nice. And then, and so, so why are you guys, why are you guys writing? Why? What was the well, impetus? Well, we, we want, we want others to, to know who they are mm. and what makes them unique and what makes them special. And that sounds very like individualistic, right? Like, <laughs> But it's also for brands and companies. Like, if you see yourself as a part of something bigger than yourself, as something that has meaning and purpose, um, you're going to be motivated to perform. You're going to be motivated to get out of bed in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to, you have reasons to keep going. And it's, it's more inspiring. It's more interesting. It's more fun. It's, um, it keeps driving you forward. And it helps you also stay focused on, um, a specific goal, right? To serve a customer in a specific way. It, it builds camaraderie with your teammates, right? So we want others to understand that and experience that and have the tools like to equip them as well. It's not very much like a how-to book necessarily. I mean, we might get into that a it's little bit. It's not mostly a, a how-to book. It's more right. of a perspective, right? Um, but yeah, the goal is ultimately to help organizations under, understand themselves better and I guess recognize that really on some level they may not feel this way. They may not come across this way to people, but they are remarkable. The fact that they've continued to exist is remarkable. And there's some kind of underlying purpose they may not recognize yet. They may need to come to understand, but some purpose that holds people together. Because otherwise, people don't stick together. You know, people naturally fly apart, right? Mm. Centrifugal force pulling people apart is much stronger than anything that might hold them together. So if people are sticking together over a period of time, there's something doing that work. And that work is whatever that core purpose is behind that organization. Um, an organization could be a company, it could be a business, it could be a nonprofit, but something that's keeping people together. And so uh, in understanding what that core purpose is that keeps them together, then you have a, an understanding of what your values are. And ultimately, you have an understanding of kind of your brand's story and what makes you the kind of organization you are. And so you can communicate that identity more effectively to to people through so ultimately it gets expressed through marketing right so the goal is to try to head off bad marketing <laughs> uh at the very beginning where it gets started which is in misunderstandings of your own brand or just complete ignorance of your own brand hmm. that's awesome can i tell the audience the secret that um mike is a co-author oh. as well yeah yeah so this of is the brand. <laughs> The, the three book. of us from Resound are yes. writing the book together. We've been working on it for a little while. Jeff is in like the thick of it right now. But, but you two we, started it. Yeah. yeah so I, I want <laughs> to, I'm going to enter. It was weird. I like walked in. I'm like, so am I the host or am I the guest today? And I think I'm both. I don't know. I, I'm still confused, but I'm going to ask a question and ask things that I want people to hear about. Yeah. Cause I think they're really interesting. So one of them is kind of what's been our approach to, <clears throat> writing the book because i'm like whenever i talk about it people are like there's three people writing a book together like how does that work <laughs> i go funny you should ask 
It's like everything we've done together. <laughs> it's yeah, it's interesting. We started, I mean, if I can tell the story yeah. of how we've done it. So we started with an outline that David wrote. So yep. David was actually the initiator. Uh, That's right. David came up with a outline, and then I expanded on the outline and turned it into a series of questions. Uh, and then David and Mike, you two, did a bunch of podcasts. I mean, hours and hours and hours worth of podcasts. Yep. Uh, and those got transcribed. And then I'm reading the transcripts and I'm deleting most of them. And then <laughs> with what's left, I'm, I'm writing the book. So I'm using the, the transcripts of the, mm. the podcasts you guys recorded to put together based on this outline, something that hopefully makes sense. Yeah. So far it has what I've read. That's reassuring. About, from, we'll from the back to the, to the front. <laughs> yeah, and we're also writing it backwards. Yeah, Because so. <laughs> yep. uh, the danger is, you know, especially when you're talking in a conversational format, you're going to repeat the same thing multiple mm -hmm. times. And so the thought was, well, if we start at the back and work to the front, we're not going to get as redundant because we know that something's going to come up near the end. So don't hit it again at the front. It kind of helps the book not sound too repetitive. But um, yeah, you know. And the back was easier to write anyway. <laughs> we're in the, so I'm in the midst of the second chapter right now. It's seven chapters, yeah. but that's pretty far because we're working yeah. backwards. And, you know, as you get closer to the front, it gets harder. Yeah. I think there's a strategy there. I mean, there's people who write like fictional books and it's sometimes easiest when you start with like the end in mind. Yeah, like a mystery novel. Right? Yeah. You want to write the end first before you write the beginning. Yeah. So we're, what we're saying is we're writing a business mystery novel. Right. It's a Business detective story. Yeah. <laughs> detective. I have to work on that title. Well, you know, if my somewhere. name's going to be on there, I mean, yeah. it's got to be it's a whodunit. It's a, it's it's a, a Dr. Watson, brand book. Sherlock Jones. <laughs> yeah. Sherlock Jones. <laughs> that actually, did you just come up with that just now? Yeah. That actually works. But then where does David fit in? Uh, he's Moriarty. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I don't know these characters. Moriarty Arch is nemesis. Guy. Is yeah. he? To Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't there like a mouse cartoon <laughs> that was like the Sherlock yeah, thing? Yeah, it was something? the, it was... Uh, the Great Mouse Detective. The Great Mouse Detective, yeah. yeah that was a go. spin on... Oh, yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, I watched it I within that. the last three weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've seen it like a gazillion times. It probably kids. helps with your book writing, right? Not really. No, okay. <laughs> well, so I want to comment on the process a little bit too. Yeah, do it. It's really cool working with you guys. Like the way this business started. So for the listeners, your listeners who may not know, our company was, I mean, I kind of sort of founded the company and, and was like, Jeff, come co-found with me. Because I remember sketching out some ideas for like a business in the middle of when I was supposed to be listening to a lecture, which is what your students are probably doing right now. Probably. Um, and I was like, man, it'd be really cool to start this business and to do design work and to like do branding. And man, I want to do this. I'm going to call it Resound and blah, blah, blah. So I had all this in my head. And then now like fast forward 10, 12, whatever years later, actually it's more like 16, to be honest. Cheese world. Um, to see like a book and like a business and like clients and like websites and things actually be like happening is really awesome but the process like the way the three of us are doing the book it's also similar to like how we ran the business where it's like i go out and go crazy with ideas and then you guys somehow make it ha like you'll riff on it with me mike yeah. will mike will be like yes anding and like yep. we'll be bouncing ideas off each other and then jeff will synthesize yep. and make sense of it for everyone and then chris will be like that's great here's the action plan <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what we're doing with the book too because like yep. I didn't plan on writing an outline or initiating the book, but I was like, well, I guess it should follow kind of how we started 
things at the company a long time ago. So pull things out of my head, you riff on it, make it better. And then Jeff makes it make sense. Yep. No, and that it's funny how that's kind of like followed even the pattern of like 2009 <clears throat> when we're like kind of sitting down together. And yeah, you already have the idea and you kind of have like the paperwork's done for Resound, but there's still this like, well, what is this? Right. And we're, we're like, I don't know. Let's make it make Nobody it. knows what it is. <laughs> And we're like sitting around and I think in your house, like in that back bedroom, I, and I, that wasn't quite right at the beginning, but I remember like riffing on like, what is, what's our tagline? We came up with you're remarkable. And so like all the stuff in the book is stuff we've been talking about for like 10, 10 years, years now. Yeah. And I think that's what like got me really excited too, is just like, we're finally like packaging some things that we've talked about, things we've written about in blogs and we've talked about on podcasts and we've, certainly done lots of work with clients on, um, but kind of finally saying, all right, this is our viewpoint of how the world should work. Yeah. From a kind of brand perspective. And it's a way that, yeah, I like, like that it's packaged that people can digest it and get a good chunk of it in one sitting instead of like bits and pieces of it. Well, if you only do a little bit of this with resound or if you only listen to this podcast or whatever, see this blog post. Yeah. So that's really exciting. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about the book. Let's talk about some of the principles that you guys cover in the book. So what are some of the more like either more interesting to you principles, surprising or counterintuitive principles, or just things that you think most brands miss well, that are in the book? I'll take a stab. So counterintuitive from a point like, like you, when you think of brand, you think of the mark, right? The logo. You yep. think of what you can see, the presentation layer, yep. right? But what we start with in the book, and you probably haven't gotten there yet because we're working from the back (laughs) to the front, is that the purpose, the values, what we call the roots of a brand, right? What you can't see, what's underneath it all is really where it all starts. That's really the most important part. Like you need to understand that part. And that also like when we're talking about individual or a person, it's like what you believe in, you know, what what really motivates you, um, what makes you unique, what makes you special, it's figuring out those things. It's really a lot of soul searching first before you can start to get anywhere close to a logo, right? To what color palette, what font? I don't like that font. I want this one, right? Like those things. So I think that's counterintuitive. I think it's like, okay, stop thinking about the presentation layer. Right. And and maybe you go, okay, well, what do you mean? Like, well, what's, what's next? And you mean like our tagline? Nope, that's still presentation layer. Mm-hmm. Well, you mean like the tone? Okay, you're getting a little closer but you got to go deeper, right? It's, it's so much deeper than that. It's your, your, your values. Why are you in business in the first place to make money? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go even deeper than that. Right. That's, that's Mike's favorite wrong answer on the thing. <laughs> wrong. He, he's basically like in the, in the workshops, he's just like, just so you know, you know, profit is not the right answer. Make money is not the right answer. <laughs> now we're looking for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, counterintuitive. But I don't know. Do you have anything else? Yeah. I mean, you, you might think that uh, with individuals, okay, there's some kind of core thing that makes me that person, right? Uh, and so with individuals, you can think about someone being fake or being authentic. But when you start dealing with groups of people, for some reason, our minds tend to think, well, you know, it's not like there's such a thing as being fake or being authentic or with a group, right? As a, as a organization, you're just some piece of paper and then some story you make up. And you make up whatever story is going to get your customers to think, oh, yeah, I buy into that, right? And so really it's mm-hmm. the, the intuition a lot of people have is that 
your definition as an organization should be defined by the people you want out there, right? Mm. Uh, what is it that they want me to look like? What is it they want me to sound like? What is it they want me to be? Okay, I'll be that. Uh, and that comes off as fake, just like it does when a person does that. Mm-hmm. And we all know when a person does that, that doesn't work, right? But it comes across as fake in the very same way when an organization tries to do that. And it's much better if the organization, you know, maybe they aren't exactly what they think people want, but what people really want is honesty. And, uh, and honesty comes only when you really know yourself as, as, a, as a brand. When you know the truth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So how, how are you honest if you don't even know what's true? Right. right. So, um, so I think that might be surprising. It would be surprising that there really is such a thing as uh, an authentic brand identity, uh, something that could be discovered and not invented. So, I mean, even when you talk about branding, because it's sort of a creative, you know, area, and people think of creativity and they think of kind of like making stuff up, yeah, inventing, inventing. Uh, uh, you know, a brand is not actually something you invent or make up. A brand is something you discover, uh, and discovering it means there's an actual truth out there to be discovered, right? And so I think that would be pretty surprising, mm. but I think it's true. Yeah, like it's objective more than you would think. There's there's some, like you have to find it and it's not something that you, oh, well, we're going to soul search and then we're going to invent it after we figure out what we feel. Yeah, it could, or, it could be accurate. It could be inaccurate. You could get it wrong. Yeah. You can get it right. And when you get it right, you'll know it. But um, if you get it wrong and you just sort of make it up, you know, your own, not just your customers, but your own team, your own employees are going to kind of barf at it (laughs) and say, well, that's not really who we are. And they're not going to live it out. And they're not going to express that. And Mm -hmm. then five years later, you're going to be back at the drawing board and do it all over again. So that there's something you could get right or wrong about branding might be surprising because it's a creative area. Creative Mm. stuff we associate with art and art we associate with subjectivity. And it's true, there's a lot of creativity and a lot of subjectivity, but that's not all there is. There's something you're trying to represent. And also there's maybe a sense that it's it's being revealed to you. Like you said, discover, which that doesn't mean you're going to necessarily get it right the first or second or third time, Hmm. but you're getting closer and closer as you figure, because you said earlier that like what keeps people going, like there's, there's something that, uh, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it's like, it's driving everybody forward and someone comes in and says, well, this is, this is the new brand or this is what we're all about. And the company goes, no, that's not us. That's, that's not what we feel like. And we, we're going to resist it and we're going to keep going in the direction we're already going because we know that's right. And so we're gonna have to keep coming back to this eventually and figure it out. That's interesting to me. That's like, the people know what's right. They're going to keep doing it, even if like the brand agency or the new marketing, you know, yeah, the well, new CMO came if in. If something doesn't fit, people aren't going to wear it, right? And they're not going to right. own it. They're going to do what they have to do in order to appease whoever it is <laughs> that said that this is the thing we're doing. Right. But they know it's going to die off because it's not actually part of what the oh, core yeah. purpose of that company is. And there is, there really is something that has to keep those people people together there's something it's doing there's someone it's serving if Even you're not if you, serving someone what you're not around right. i mean mm-hmm. options so if you live in a non-market economy then you can have a company that exists purely for show so north korea has several <laughs> fake companies right <laughs> aside from that if you exist you're serving somebody 
there's some purpose you have. Mm-hmm. It may not be the best purpose in the world. Maybe you should think about that. But mm-hmm. uh, but you are serving somebody. So um, knowing really what that is, what your role is in the bigger story, is more valuable than hmm. I think people like red this year. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they like red every year. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> red, I, red I, don't show. I, I don't really know. <laughs> but like you could be in a company for 20 years, working with the same people for 20 years and you all feel it, but you can't articulate it or you never have articulated it. No one has articulated it well. They may have had an, a, an attempt or two along the way, but I like that, that it's just, just cause it doesn't fit. Doesn't mean you're not going to keep <laughs> wearing <Right>. clothes. <laughs> right. It's like, you still have to, Wear clothes every yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> just go through the jacket. I'm not going to just be like not going out in public now because <laughs> it would freeze or something. So, okay, Mike, can I, can, uh, Mike, can I throw that question at you too and just see if you have any thoughts on uh, yeah. some of the principles? So yeah. I think I think those are really, really good ones. Uh, kind of surprises or maybe counterintuitive lessons in the book. I think the other one that I get really excited about is this idea that every organization actually is remarkable. Um, That that's an intrinsic trait. It's an intrinsic quality to the organization, whether they realize it or not. We spent a lot of the, like the first part of the book really unpacking that and going, Hey, if, if organizations really are made up of people, right? And we have a fundamental belief that people are intrinsically remarkable. Why is it that we then don't believe that organizations are remarkable, right? If organizations are really just groups of people on a common mission or purpose, holding to a similar set of values, why is that organization not remarkable? Um, And then we kind of spend a lot of time figuring out, well, why is that, right? And then how can it live up to its remarkableness? Um, and kind of act on it in a more consistent, compelling, kind of truthful way. Um, so I think that's one that I'm really excited about. Um, and when I talk to people, they get excited about too. And I think there's a little bit of drawing a line in the sand with that. Because I think there's people out there who would say, I don't agree with that. I don't think organizations can be remarkable. So I'm excited to uh, have those conversations with them. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, so, so organizations can be as remarkable as individual people? Sure. I, I, I think, and I don't know how much we unpack this in the book or not, so I'm going to riff. Um, reel me back in okay. when I get too far. Uh, I think it's harder. So we, talk, we do talk about that, right? Like understanding yourself is somewhat difficult because we have depth of understanding and we have a lot of perception, right, of our own selves. But I think there's a, there's a reason why there's behavioral and personality assessments for people, but not for organizations. And it's because, well, there's only one person taking the test, right? Versus an organization requires a group of people to come to an understanding of who they are as an organization together. And that's a much harder exercise to get through. And so... Yes, uh, back to the original question, can the organization be as remarkable as an individual? Sure. And I, I think we can think about, there are organizations we know that are like, wow, like they really know themselves. They really know who they are and they act on it in nearly every situation consistently. Mm. Um, and we see that that has, that has power in their relationships, right? It gives them a, 
I mean, at the very least, a sense of confidence, but all that much more so like a sense of like real, true, authentic relationship building, right? When you can serve a customer incredibly well, when you know exactly who you are, what you can do for them, how you can do that well, and that they're the right person to do that for. Um, and you look at brands that we would go, oh, they're not remarkable. Well, why is that? Is it because they're intrinsically not remarkable or is it because they haven't dug deep? They haven't figured out who they are and they're chasing every customer on the planet. Every person is a customer. We all know those brands, right? And that is, that's confusing. So, so what if someone's like, what's all this hippie talk? You don't need to find yourself. You just get out there and work. What are you, some kind of I would college I, dreamer? Yeah, so so go out there and work. So what are you doing, right? When you're working, you're working towards some goal. So why do you have that goal? Well, you must have that goal either because you just arbitrarily picked it on a map, which is a terrible idea, or because it serves some purpose. Well, if that goal serves some purpose, then what in the world is that? Okay, now we're back at, at having to figure out what your purpose is as an organization. So yeah, I mean, work, right? But work towards something. You don't just, you know, you can dig dig ditches like you can keep going the earth's pretty big i mean uh you, you know you ultimately you're doing it for some for some end for some purpose and, and so here i'm thinking this would be a hard question yeah well, he's just like boom done well i don't know Slam dunk, layup. i think the sentiment behind that question though is like like a person should get to work and stop soul searching and stop navel gazing and i don't disagree with that like i think it's good to work I think it's good to like find, you know, like we used the Uber driver, I think it's like a, when we talked about it, it's like a person trying to find who they oh, are, yeah. right? We're like, well, mm-hmm. well yeah. I don't know what to do. I think I'll just go be an Uber driver. Well, there's nothing wrong with being an Uber driver. That's great. It's a great way to make some money and stay busy and like interact with people. But then we started talking about, well, how do you do it differently than somebody else? The how, that that's like, that's where we start going, which is, how do you start differentiating you from someone else? What did, what personality traits do you bring into that car than some yep. other Uber driver? How do you get those five stars and that other Uber driver got three and a half or whatever it is? I don't know. Can you get half stars on Uber? Probably not. I don't think so. Probably not. But the point is, dad. <laughs> okay, boomer. Drill, Sergeant. Yeah, okay, okay boomer. Okay, boomer. <laughs> the point is, um, there's something special about me when I'm an Uber driver. Or when I'm digging ditches and that's okay, right? Like, I'm not saying I'm a snowflake. I'm not saying, you know, like, like you work, but then you can discover what it is that makes you special, what it is that sets you apart from somebody else. Yeah. But I mean, even an individual as a, as a business as well. Yeah. And then even at like that question, right. Or, or that statement, that idea of like, okay, you're an individual, just get to work. Right. And how there's, (laughs) there's benefits to that. Yeah. But what's the sustaining power of that drive, right? Mm-hmm. I labor because I labor. Right. That, as we found, typically doesn't keep people going for super long. You have to find some other deeper purpose, even as right. an individual, to keep you going. I mean, even people who say like, hey, you know, I work, right? I get up, I go to work, and I come home, and I do it for 40 years at the same company. I would almost, I, I would put money I'll put money that that person has discovered some other thing that keeps them going through that process. Now, there might be an aspect of their work that they love, right? There's an aspect of the expertise that they get to deliver on day in and day out, or 
there's a family that they have to feed and clothe and put in a home uh, or other goals that they have with the rev, like the salary that they bring home. But I don't know anyone who just like, I get up and I go to work and I come home and I go to work. Love right. It. Like and a robot without becoming depressed. Honestly. Now maybe there's somebody out there. Some, there's some yeah. exception to every rule maybe, right. but, but like how much more so if you do that as a group, well, I, I want to emphasize, I like what David said about the how, right? Yeah. And so uh, how you do things is part of what makes you, you distinct. And we're thinking right now about individuals. But if we're trying to think about an organization or a company, particularly one that's in an industry where lots of others do the same thing, mm-hmm. and you start to think, well, we're not that unique. We're just, we'll get something done. There you go. That's, we're Producing our thing, right? <laughs> Acme widgets. Yeah, Acme widgets or something, right? So it could be worse. It could, right. But, <laughs> but that's not true. That's not true. There's something that makes you distinct. And what makes you distinct is the way you do things, the how you do things. And the how you do things is going to be informed by something distinctive about your identity. So even if you're like, yes, get to work, good. But how you work, that's going to be impacted by who you are. And that's true for an organization just like it is for an individual. So I think there's value in particular in starting to distinguish yourselves from others in the same industry who produce the same widget or service or whatever it is by having a sense of how you do things and the values that inform that. So having an awareness of your values ultimately builds value to the brand and builds value in the work you do. So if you just think of it in terms of individuals working, right? the less specialized and focused your work is, the more competition you have from other people in the same arena because it doesn't really stand out. The more specialized what you do is, the less you know competition is and therefore the more value it has, right? And so the same is true with an organization. If it wants to boost the value of what it does, it needs to boost the distinctiveness of who it is. Mm-hmm. And that means understanding how it distinctly does things and the values that motivate that. Right. There might be a law of, I don't, I don't know if it's articulated very well yet, but like you get specialized and then you find that soon you're not very special anymore. So you have to get even more specialized. I don't know. The thing that comes to mind is like, you're the gluten-free brand. And then gluten-free now is like this massive well, that's, And that's a good point about how you specialize, yeah. particularly with a, a brand, right? So one way you can try to define a brand that seems very special is when you define it by something short-term. Mm. Uh, we call this in the book accidental branding. So mm. you define it by something that just so happens to be true of you right now. Like this year, our goal is to be blank. This go green. right now. We're yeah, we're going to go green. So we're going to be the green or company. This year Everything's going to be green. Yeah, or it's the goth year. <laughs> sure, we're the goth company. <laughs> there are no other goths in our industry. It's like teenager right. thinking. We're the the, one. the un- unfilled hole. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll, I'll be the goth for this year. All so, the fingernails on our website are black. Black. That's right. <laughs> David knows what you're doing. This year, about. I do know what I, I know. What you guys They're going to so, be pink next year. <laughs> so you do that. It lasts for a little while. It makes you distinct for a little while. And then it fades because it's not the gluten-free year anymore, the goth year anymore, that doesn't fit anymore, or your company changes. You define yourself by where you're at. And where you're at is not the same as who you are. So if you really want a lasting brand, you need to define yourself by something that's deeper than just, hey, we're going to do this this year, or this Mm -hmm. is our current strategy or our current goal. You've got to define yourself by something that's lasting, that's driving you as an organization, right? I have an example. Yeah. So... Are you guys familiar with Allbirds, the shoe company? No. no. They make these. Oh, that's a nice Very shoe. Very comfy. 
Very comfy. It's very, very sustainable. It's an all wool top, like of their shoe. And the bottom is made, I think, from like sorghum. It's some sustainable, oh. like renewable resource. Sorghum is very tasty. I, I have not tried to eat my shoes, so I okay. wouldn't know. <laughs> That's good. Anyway, so After. their big issue is that Amazon has basically replicated the shoe design with their own brand and has put it out into the marketplace at half the cost. And there's this, their founder of Allbirds is kind of publicly whining about it a little bit. And I was thinking about it and I was like, well, that seems like kind of the wrong answer. Like, why is this an issue? Right. And it's interesting because like Allbirds really is founded on this idea of like comfortable yet sustainable shoes. So that's their purpose, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of their set of values. But they've positioned on a particular style of shoe, all wool with a particular kind of sole with no like overt branding on the shoe, which is tactical. And so like that kind of speaks back to like, yeah, we can have these kind of, we can, we can build our brand around something very tactical, but that isn't, it's specialized for sure. Right. It was super specialized it was when specialized. they launched, it was, but yeah. it's very replicatable. Yeah. Right. Versus when we, if I would say like, Hey, Allbirds, go back to your roots. What are your roots? Your roots are a core set of values and a purpose that's not defined by a single product. And that's what makes them a brand or could make them a really compelling brand is when they go, how do we replicate this set of core values and purpose in other types of products? So, so how do you, how do you take something like that? And all right, going back to the, uh, I'm not going to pay for college for six years, undergrad, you know, kind of thing. So you could look at your navel and go to India or whatever. Um, <laughs> and record an album. And yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can build a pretty good backstory for this one. Yeah, we can. Um, Sounds like the Beatles. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. Oh. They did all right. Oh. It sounds like an undergrad. Maybe. Um, <laughs> sounds like an undergrad. <laughs> Sorry. Undergrads are awesome. I love undergrads. The question was, how do you make this not like a six-year college, like 10-year for just to get your undergrad? How do you make it not this like, I mean, it just sounds like it takes forever, right? Like all this discovery, how many people you have to talk to, feelings. I mean, dude, like how do you like, like, is that what it's like? This whole process of branding? I mean, this is just like this black hole. I'm going to, th company, I'm going to throw, throw thousands and thousands and millions and yeah. Uh, Mike's the practitioner. Dollars. Just wait three months and <laughs> buy the, the book. Hole. It'll be good. <laughs> All right, cool. Fair enough. Good you answer. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, it's as complex as you want to make it. And it's as complex as your business is. Mm. So does it have to take six years and, you know, lots of navel gazing? Trips to India. Probably not. No, I, I don't think you have to. I think India. the trips to India are definitely optional. Yeah, that's an add-on. Uh, it comes at, that's a follow-up book that we're writing. Okay. Trips to India uh, for the low, low price of nineteen ninety-nine. You get that added to your package. While it's a complex philosophy, or maybe I, I don't know if "complex" is the right word. It's deep, right? There's there's a depth to your brand and your identity. I don't think the process has to be overly complicated, mm. right? You start with where you're at. 
Yeah, I mean, I want to emphasize, you know, we talk about navel-gazing, but that's not the actual process you'd go for for an organization, right? right? So for an individual, maybe I'm like, how do I know myself? That's a that's a deep question. I teach a class on that. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but for an organization, you're not really looking inside yourself because you don't have a, like, I mean, you're multiple people, right? So what you're really doing is studying the people that are part of you, right? Uh, in particular, the the employees and the leadership and the team and then also customers. And so it's using information about what people say, what you have said, what your history is, what choices you've made, what's been guiding those choices, how you'd respond to different kinds of questions that you can use to start to evaluate maybe some of those questions about who you are or what you're like or what your personality is. But it's not, you know, I, I don't like the word navel gazing for an organization because it doesn't have a navel. Uh, <laughs> literally, literally, I mean, literally, there's no navel. Work. It's, uh, it's, it Unless is. Unless you're selling oranges, fair then enough. Then you have lot lots of navels. <laughs> Asterisk that joke. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay, but. <laughs> But there's there's research you can do. There's stuff you can do, and it, I don't also don't think it has to take a long time. I mean, it depends on the kind of organization you are and what you need at this point in time. So, like David said and I said earlier, this is discovery. Sometimes you need to know a lot about yourself. Sometimes you need to discover what's necessary right now. And so, how much help you need in that process is going to change. Uh, how much time it takes is going to change. It does take some time. It does take some energy. Mm-hmm. It does take some thinking about things, but, you know, it's not a six-year process by any means. Yeah. Where, where do companies come from, though, right? What? That's the navel-gazing question. Where, 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 does, where did I come from? What am well, I all about? When, when two other companies fall in right. love. <laughs> <laughs> so where does a company come from? Wait, do we have to go offline for this talk? <laughs> well, so, Maybe. I don't know. There, a lot of it sometimes has to do with this. You just mentioned the guy at Allbirds, right? Yep. Hmm. The CEO, it's on our notes here too, right? The CEO or the founder or whoever was responsible for getting this thing going in the first place, right? They had an idea. They had a vision, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they didn't. But typically, that's where some of that research is going to take you, some of that analysis that you're doing. You're going to study the relationships between the, the people that are already a part of this brand. Yeah, so, and, so just like people, companies come from people and they come from relationships between people, right? Right. So that's not bad. What you didn't hear there was Jeff's like, so there you go. It's that easy. (laughs) That was the look that he gave. It was great. Yes. But so to David's point, uh, uh, going back to those founding people uh, or current people in those kind of founder roles is going to help you understand that brand. Um, And that's a place to go. Yeah. But asking those reflective questions, right? Like getting into the core and then finding that thread and that thread is your umbilical cord. <clears throat> there you go. <laughs> Navel gazing. Yes. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. I like it. Thank I like you. it. <laughs> so I was just surprised. I mean, so just from my experience seeing, seeing like Mike work, right. When I first got here and saw the, you know, I'm like the branding process. This sounds like a super long thing, like tedious. <laughs> and like, why do companies ever sign up for this? Like, you know, what I imagine to be this long drawn out process. And then I go to a workshop and it's like a day. And does Mike make you make him work hard? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's lunch, there's breaks. Yeah. um, Maybe. But um, if you're good, but (laughs) stay on task. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, I think that was just kind of something I just, I, 
I want I don't want our listeners to be too intimidated by this process because there really is kind of a method, you know, and and well, a and a and it's also like you get what you put into it, right? So like if you put a day of work into it, yep, you you, you get, get a day's results. worth of output. Yeah, and yeah. if you spend three months in it, <laughs> you're going to get three months worth of output. Right? Yeah, and and again, it's like if you liken the the company to a person again, right? The age of your of a person tells you how much life experience and context you need to dig through in order to understand yourself, right? Mm. When you're five, you don't have a whole lot of like life experience to have to sift through. Um, you also don't have a whole lot of like complex understanding of how the world works. So you don't need to understand yourself at this like really complex, like 40 year old level versus when you're 40. Well, now you've got 40 years of life experience and a whole bunch of relationships and successes and failures to sift through. And then you go buy a red sports car um, to help you through that process. Yeah. Yeah. So I think companies are similar in that, like, if you're, if you're one years old as a company, you only have one year of people, relationships, experience, products, and customers to kind of have to sift through. And so, yeah, you might be able to just get the leadership team in a room, answer some of these fundamental questions, be real with one another, and you come out the other end with like, oh, this is the roots of our brand. It's not going to get you a logo. It's not going to get you a tagline. It's not going to get you the presentation level that we talked about earlier. There's still more work. But versus you know, a company that's been around for 60 years, has been through leadership changes, probably an ownership change somewhere in there, um, has you know multiple <laughs> generations of employees and customers, and has probably a set of products and services that you know is too long, honestly. Um, now you have context you have to sift through and that is going to take a little bit longer. Um, you can do it and it's not something you have to do overnight. An organization is very pretty drastically in complexity, right? So an organization that's led by one person, uh, is very different from an organization that has multiple groups that are sometimes at odds with each other in different locations. Like those are very different situations. So a lot of the time, it's the complexity of an organization that's yeah. driving the complexity yeah. of branding. But going back to your question, though, Chris, about like the process and like how do I get started and is this practical? I think the biggest thing that is that mental block, perhaps, that it's not about the presentation layer mm-hmm. and that it's more about how authentic I am that is going to make me successful. Mm. It's not about whether you got the coolest logo for five bucks or 5,000 bucks, <laughs> or 50,000 bucks. It's how authentic is that logo? It's not like what the designers are talking about on their, <laughs> their blogs or Twitter or whatever. It's like, does that feel like you? Yeah. Are you, does, are you proud of that? Like, does it resonate with you and your audience? Does it feel right? Yeah, so I want to walk, to like make phone calls, send emails, and my signature line, is it, is it something that I feel like is, is comports with who I am as an individual as a part of this company? Yeah, yeah. Does it does it authentically reflect who we are? Mm, does beautiful. it do that well? Yeah, beautiful. So I I don't know how we how it got so late so fast. You guys, such an interesting conversation. We probably don't have time for too many more questions. But do we want to talk a little bit about about the book? Do we have a lot of times we'll have like you know here's how to get a hold of you know so and so. What is there anything you guys want to talk about? Anything you guys want to um, mention about the book? Anything you guys want to... Nope. We don't want to talk about the book. We just spent 50... <laughs> We're done. 60 minutes talking. It's like that was the last straw. So why would we want to do more? Stay tuned. No, um, <laughs> I'll be that guy. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, so we are writing the book. It is in process. It will launch. Not quite sure exactly when. I think hopefully in the next like three-ish months, we should have it ready to go. Um, for anyone that's interested, you can go to vermarkabook.com and you can get signed up on the newsletter that we've got set up there. Um, we're going to be dripping out updates as we as we get more of it developed and as we have some more kind of things going on around the launch of the book. Um, but that's a great place to get started. And I, I would, I mean, we talked about how this isn't new. This isn't like new information that like the three of us have never talked about before. I think there's pieces of this book that are throughout like everything we've ever published. So like you can kind of get a sneak peek, just, you know, signing up for our general newsletter at resoundcreative.com or going on the blog there. Yep. Um, I mean, even Chris and I and, our team have been kind of using stuff that's come out of our planning and and outlining and podcasting content for, to get ready for the book as inspiration this whole year for content we've been putting out. So hopefully it's not something where people are like, oh my goodness, this is totally different than anything you've ever been talking about before. Yeah. You're like, oh no, you finally packaged it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's really, it's it's it deepens it and ties everything together, mm-hmm. I think. Cool. Well, um, well, uh, Jeff and David, thanks for joining us. And, yeah. yeah um, thank you guys. Thanks. So this is <coughs> it for another, like another hour. <laughs> yeah, I know. And we got some makers mark over there too. Um, <laughs> so this is it for another episode of the AZ Brandcast where we delve into the makings of remarkable brands here in the state of Arizona. Thank you all so much for joining us. If you'd like, uh, like more information on the AZ Brandcast, you can subscribe to all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer, plus Spotify, to get your podcasts, uh, to get your podcast feeds from. To contact Chris or uh, to contact me (laughs) or Mike. We're going to do next episode all in third person. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Mike likes this idea. (laughs) All right, let Chris talk. Check out our website at azbrandcast.com. There you can also get on our newsletter list and uh, make sure you never miss another episode or update from us. So a special thanks to our uh, producer, uh, normally Karen, but we have a special producer today. Kendra! Do you want to say hi, Kendra? Hi, Kendra waves. She's not really. Hi, Kendra. Oh, if we're going third Look, person third today. Person. <laughs> well, awesome. with it. Kendra says hi. Say, normally, it's like this, like um, God ex machina or whatever thing, you know, where she like condescends from from the soundboard and but doesn't actually say anything. So she's actually uh, kind of like a yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I started going into weird theological territory there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kendra. Phoenix Business Radio X and our gracious host here at Max 6. And don't forget, you You are are remarkable. remarkable.